it's only well because of what you've done for us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for taking the nails, Lord, and the beating and the ridicule. We'll never get beyond what you did for us. We remember regularly, Lord, and you did it to reconcile us, to forgive us, and to make it well with us. Thank you for the peace we have. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the roadmap, Lord, you've left us. Thank you for revealing your nature and character to us so that we can love you more and more. Open our minds and our hearts tonight to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to Psalm 55 and then also 2 Samuel 15. I think it's important. So one thing about the Psalms, not all of them, but a number of them have a story behind them. And when you, and they serve as a tremendous illustration. And as um, we can always re- relate to those illustrations in David's life, but uh, more times than not, we can, at least to some degree. And I believe this psalm is based in the story and life experience that he had. And he is actually reaping what he has sown. He sowed to the wind with Bathsheba, and he is now reaping the whirlwind of Absalom and his betrayal. And so in chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, if we go through just generally picking out some of these points of the story, as we read through Psalm 55, then it's going to like, oh wow, this is what was going on in his heart. This is what was going on in his mind. And so we know that um, Absalom fled for a while because he had taken out his half-brother for what he had done to his sister Tamar and raping her. And this was, again, part of what would happen because of David's overstepping in adultery. And Absalom left. He used, of course, Joab into helping him get you know, returned, and when he returned, he stole the hearts of the people. He was betraying his father. He didn't have the respect for his father. And so this treason, after a number of years, four or five years or so, of working the people in his favor, David, again, just growing older, neglect, not really good with children, his, raising his children, he blew it in so many ways. Great warrior, great psalmist, Great king, not so good on the parenting side. And so he gathers help, some of the priests. He gathers Ohithophel, one of uh, David's cabinet members who was angry with him, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And the conspiracy grew, and they sounded a trumpet, and David has to run in chapter 15. The hearts of the men of Israel, chapter 15, verse 13. The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So he was successful. Good politician, appears to be. And so David, with his servants, flee. They leave Jerusalem in a rush. All the loyal people go with him, the priest, and his old friend Hushai, the Hittite, 
uh, it returns to be, as it were, a counselor and an undercover agent, <laughs> if you will, and he, a <laughs> and he overthrows the the council of Ohithophel. David, as he is leaving in chapter 16 and fleeing the city, and this is an important part, verse 5, 16, 5, Shimei uh, begins to curse him. And of course, Joab's brother wants to take his head off, and <laughs> David, for all his, his failures, and this is one thing I appreciate about the Bible, it is so raw. There's no whitewashing here. There's, it just tells it like it is. David loved God. He was a man after God's heart, but he, when he blew it, he blew it. And there's no like, oh, well, let's slide this under the carpet. He's not like Saul, as we learned last week. Oh, come honor me before the people. I just want to look, make good. Like, as long as people respect me and think that I'm okay, I'm a good guy. None of that. It was just tr David is transparent. And his heart is, look, I'm, he never defended himself like that. Shimei should have been taken out. And, and Joab's brother, Abishai, was not wrong in wanting to take his head off. I mean, it's total disrespect and rebellious. And yet, David, I'll let God defend me. God's big enough to defend me. If you're right, that's one of the things we're taught by the Spirit is that don't, we, don't have, we don't have to defend ourselves. God's big enough to defend us and take care of us. And so that happens. And then in, this is an important section. We'll take a little time to cover this in, beginning in verse 15, uh, the advice of Ohithophel. So meanwhile, after all that's happening and David leaves, Absalom and his crew comes in and they sort of take over the palace, if you will. All the people and the men of Israel came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel was with him. And so it was that Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom and Hushai said to Absalom, long live the king, long live the king. So Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? <laughs> Why do you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to uh, Absalom, no, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son, as I have served in the pre your father's presence? So I will be in your presence. And Absalom said to Ohithophel, Give advice as to what we should do. And Ohithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on top of the house, and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now the advice of Ohithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. And so... And so was all the advice of Ahithophel, both to David and with Absalom. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me choose 12,000 men. I will rise and pursue David tonight, and I will come upon him while he is weary and weak, 
and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee. And I will strike only the king. Then I will break, bring back all the people to you. When all the, except the man whom you seek, all the people will be at peace. And the saying pleased Absalom and all the elders. And then Hushai, in the rest of the uh, chapter 17 there, for the next several verses, gives his advice, which is to wait and gather all Israel together, make a big show, and uh, get all, all of the whole nation behind you and go to war. Don't go out there right now because David is angry and mad, and his guys, they're mighty men. He's very cagey, smart, and if you suffer defeat now, you'll be wiped out. And so God was involved in this council. David had sent Hushai back to thwart the advice of Ohithophel, and indeed he did. He, the elders of Israel all sided with Hushai, and he decided to go along with that. And Ohithophel was very, a very intelligent man, a very wise man, and he understood, look what he did. He knew what would happen if they delayed. Verse 23. Now when Ohithophel saw that his vice was not followed, he saddled a donkey, arose and went home to his house and to his city, and then he put his household in order, hanged himself, and died, and he was buried in his father's tomb. Now, why would he do that? Because he knew he was dead meat anyway. Because David is, is going to win this one if he doesn't follow the advice. He's not at all ignorant of what David is capable of doing. His weakest moment was the time when he had just left Jerusalem discouraged and overwhelmed and without any real help and organization. The, 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 to delay the attack would, bring, would ensure David's victory and Ohithophel could see that. The question when you read through this story is why would someone who is part of David's cabinet, be so bitter and angry and side with his son when he knows that his son is in rebellion, that you don't go against the Lord's anointed. Well, if you do a little homework, Ohithophel <clears throat> was the father of Elam. And Elam uh, is the father of Bathsheba. So Bathsheba is Ohithophel's granddaughter. So even though God had forgiven David this egregious sin in, in taking Uriah the Hittite's wife, committing adultery, God had forgiven and put away his sin. Ahithophel had not. That's why everything that is coming from him is coming from bitterness and anger and now to the point of extreme hatred. As the prophet said, Nathan the prophet said, you know, this whole thing about the concubines, this is all coming to pass. This One from your own house will rise up. I mean, just incredible. This is something, that, and obviously, let's not take the obvious, miss the obvious takeaway. Nobody sins solo. There's no, no such thing as a solo sin. Oh, only my sin's only going to affect me. That's not, never the case. Every sin that we sin, every WD especially, Depending on what the sin is, the greater the sin, the more people it hurts. But even the little sins, 
they affect everybody. It's, it, it's, it, we, I mean, look at this world. We're damaged by the sins that take place of, by others. And so, uh, with that thought in mind, and that background, I think as we um, go to Psalm 55 now, you're going to be able to easily see where David is coming from, I think, in writing this psalm, probably sometime after the fact, right? So uh, let's, it's broken up into uh, three sections, I think. It's the oppression of the wicked, it's betrayal of a friend, and then it's, it's the commitment that you have to God and David's commitment. And, you know, and so this, this is the whole key to life, really. I need to be faithful to God no matter what. No matter what other people do, no matter what happens to me, the rain falls upon the just and the unjust alike. Bad things happen to good people. I, I have, there's no way I should become angry and bitter against God for, no matter what happens. Because when we know and understand the nature and character of God, we know he's in control. And we know that he'll give grace. And we know that he loves us. And that everything that happens to us, as we've said many times over, comes through the filter of his love. David is probably is absorbing this and has the attitude with Shimei, who's cursing him. He's probably thinking, well, I'm getting what I deserved. You know, Sometimes when we, you know, you're a kid and you step out of line and you get caught and you get, you, you know, you get the whack, you take it because, you know, like, well, I was told, I, you know, I'm feeling the pain now and I deserve it. What's really hard is when you haven't done anything wrong and this stuff comes down on you. But I think for David, I think he, he, he was willing to accept that, you know, I deserve actually to go to hell. I should have been killed for my crimes. And so this is less than death, so, so be it. But it's still painful. And this is what was recorded here. And the first um, nine, eight verses uh, uh, talk about this oppression of the wicked and what was going on. Because I, you've, got this, you've got this feeling that this just didn't happen like that. During that four years or so, that Absalom was building up, there was an unrest, there was an instability, there was, there was something that wasn't quite right. And I think David catches it here. Give ear to my prayer, O God, verse 1. Do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I'm restless in my complaint and moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because the op- Oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. And so I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. So it's not hard to sort of fit this into 
what David is feeling on his departure out of Jerusalem and that moment that he heard the news that the conspiracy was afoot. And so he begins to pray. You know, he's saying, I am, um, isn't that the first thing we should do? When you get into trouble, things aren't going around. Sometimes it's the last thing we do. <laughs> it should always be the first thing. And I think David's good at that. But, you know, give ear to my prayer. Don't hide yourself. You know, it's important mentally when we engage in prayer that we capture God's attention. You know, like, <clears throat> nothing personal, but sometimes when I talk to my wife, she's not paying attention. She's, she, and that's okay because she's got her thoughts and she's engaged in what she's doing. It happens on occasion. <clears throat> Honey, you know, I have to get her attention. And this is what, this is, I think it's important that we, we really know that we have the Lord's attention. And David uh, says so here. The other thing is, and maybe this is just you, he, he uses the word uh, here, um, Restless, it means uh, like just wondering thoughts. Now, I, I don't know if you have this issue, uh, but when I get inundated with a lot of information or a lot of activities taking place, and I'm, I'm beginning to feel overwhelmed with this, that, and the other, and I have a lot of thoughts going through my head, and I actually think in my mind that I'm praying. But in reality, I'm not. I'm, I'm just thinking a lot and I think um, I, I have to f find myself like okay stop what am I really asking God for because <laughs> I'm just rambling in my mind and this is I think what David he's overwhelmed he's you know he's ooh, what, what's going to happen and he describes this what's going on he realizes what's coming down is it's his son my son seeks my life. He hates me. Oh, how, how crushing of a blow is that? And look at, okay, well, let's, let me back up just a little bit because I think this verse three, the voice of the enemy, the oppression of the wicked, in wrath they hate me. Would that not fit the Shimei scene? This guy that's cursing him and throwing stones at him and... You know, just, I could see why Abishai wanted to take that guy. What a miserable person he is, you know. Let's kick the guy when he's down, you know. And he's glad that David is on the run. But I think what's important is that, you, number one, in this situation, when it's unfolding, the first thing we do when trouble happens to us is to pray. Secondly, understand. Seek understanding. I think David understood why. Okay, now what do I do? How is this, how's this going to roll out? Because what the, that's what the enemy does. He's, he, it's noise. It's just absolute just noise. This is, what, this is why people are, are struggling right now in our culture, in our world. There's a lot of noise out there. We have to deliberately shut it off. Shut off the news. Shut off these things that bring just noise and distraction and what's really going on. Because... It's this oppression, the idea is, is, is like, it's like compression. The noise puts more pressure on this, the situation. And the last thing we need when we're trying to gather our thoughts and figure things out and they're in trouble is more noise and more pressure. 
What's really going on? You have to be honest with what's going on inside you first. You've got to get a grip on yourself. Because this is a kind of a situation where fear, look at these, the terrors of death. You panic and you don't think things through, you die. It's just that simple. You've got to get a grip on, your, on what's going on inside you. Yes, trouble. Fearfulness, trembling, horror. <laughs> and isn't this what we do when we get overwhelmed? I just want to, I am so out of here. I, I'm leaving. I can't handle this anymore. I just want to, I'm overwhelmed and I just want to escape. So what do people in our culture do? To, you can tell me why people are doing drugs, why people are alcoholics, why people are checking out. Amen. Can't handle it, man. This oppression, this compression. You know, it's kind of like being caught in a maze. Rarely does anybody ever get out of a maze the first time. If you get stuck in one of those things. Now, I, I, I'm really not done that, but I've watched people, and it's kind of fun to watch them struggle <laughs> from an aerial view. <laughs> and that's not going to work, bro. But, you, you know, you have to keep your wits about you, obviously, because you don't know where you're going. You don't know how to get out. But if you pay attention and you go this way and you hit a cul-de-sac... Well, you can check that, that attempt off and let's try another route. It, sometimes you just have to look up and trust God to guide you out of the maze because otherwise you're just going to remain trapped. In verses 9 through 15, this is the thing that I think is he got on the other side of the Jordan because this didn't happen in just you know 24 hours. It took some time to, for this whole scene to develop. I don't really have a time frame on this story that we read there, 15, 16, 17, and 2 Samuel. Uh, but no doubt there's some time. And I think David, in retrospect, is thinking about all this as well. He, he, he sort of hits down this path, beginning in verse 9 uh, through 15. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. Was that not really his wisdom and seeing that Hushai could do that against Ahithophel, destroy their counsel. I've seen violence in the city. Is he reflecting upon this growing mass and this intensity that was rising against him? Destruction, oppression. Here's the word oppression here. There's two different words for oppression here. The first one is, the, is this pressure from the oppressor. And this one here is violence. This one has this is, this is, the first one's non-kinetic, this one's kinetic. They're getting physical. Destruction in the midst, verse 11. Oppression and deceit do not depart from, there's a lot of anger being expressed and people are getting hurt. For, it is, verse 12, it's not an enemy who reproaches me. Well, then I can bear it. I mean, isn't this a good perspective and this is this true how we react to people who are against us? Nor is it the one who hates me who has exalted himself against me. Well, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man of my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of God in a throng. Was that not Ohithophel? He turned his back. He betrayed. He wanted David to hide. He wanted his death. The only way that he could 
You know, he wanted vengeance for what he had done and how he destroyed his family. Uriah was a great man. And you can't, in one sense, you can't b- blame him for what he f- felt. But who are you to judge? You think your sins are, you think you're more pure in the eyes of God and you're not worthy of death yourself, Ohithophel? All judgment ends with God. He is the judge. Surely it was a, an egregious sin that he um, had to endure. David was betrayed by Ahithophel, and really, you could probably throw you know, Absalom in there as well. And yet, verse 16 through the rest of the psalm, quite powerful. You see, David has for me, this is the bottom line. No matter what we go through, we're faithful to God no matter what. That's, that's our calling. We, well, if you wouldn't have let that you know, happen to me, Lord, then I could have stayed faithful. You think that's, that kind of excuse is going to fly if you, when you stand before the judgment seat of God? Well, I bailed out, Lord, because of... I don't think so. As for me, no matter what happens, right, I will call upon God. And the Lord shall save me. I am committed to God regardless of what happens with my wife, my children, my church, my church friends. I trust on all those things for the best. But if something goes sideways and it goes bad, I gotta follow this pattern. I don't think it'd be I don't think it'd be easy, but I think that's what we're called to. Think about at some point in time, every one of us will be alone. It will just be you and the Lord. That's the way it is. We all take that road to heaven. At some point in time, it's just you and Jesus. And you're going to cross into deep waters, and then you're going to see him face to face. And so this is what the life trials are for. One of the reasons for them is to teach us to just trust him. Now, notice again, there's these little tidbits I like when you read through the Psalms. They're, they sort of like, they, they tell you something without meaning to. And, and verse 17 is one of those. Evening, morning, and noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. So notice, you remember how the Bible talks about, when does the day actually begin? At, yeah, does it start at 6 o'clock in the morning when you get up? No. Starts at six o'clock at night when you get ready to go to bed. That's when you start your day. You know, you hear this from all those success people, right? People who are successful always plan their work the day before, in the evening, before at the very latest. They've charted out what they're going to be doing the next day. And I think oh, that's a good rule of thumb. Spend, you could spend 10, 15, 20 minutes just thinking about, okay, what am I going to do tomorrow? Now, if you're like me, I do that, but there are occasions when I don't. And, the, you know, usually what happens is when I get, if I don't plan the night before well, I get caught up and I'm off in the weeds 
not being productive as I could have been had I really taken the time to prepare. And so, you know, we all have that experience, I'm sure. Uh, but evening, morning, and noon. And I think this is a good rule of thumb for our prayer life. You know, you take time to pray in the morning, you have your devotional time. Uh, start it in the evening, rather. Just go to bed thinking about the Lord. You'll sleep a lot better. And then in the morning, you feed that. And then at noon. So it's just a good, a good rule of thumb. Throughout the day, periodically, you're interacting with the Lord. David recognizes his salvation is from the Lord. He's not looking for, uh, okay, I've got this backup plan. If God doesn't come through for me, I'm going to do this. I have, I've got to have this amount of money by this date, and if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to do this, this, and this. Well, well you can do that. And it's kind of, you know, we're all kind of have that Jacobness in us, don't we? Now, Esau's coming. He's headed back from Pedanaram, and he's going to meet Esau. And so it's like, I'll put, uh, well, let's just put the six boys up front with their mom, and then the concubine, and then the ones I love the most in the back. <laughs> and then if that happens, well, I'm going to run. <laughs> And then he meets the Lord, right? You know, you just got to flat out, I trust you, Lord. Salvation comes from you. My plans, let's just, you know, just surrender. Just give up and surrender, right? And again, you know, he, when he prays, he's praying, you know, he prayed that the Lord would turn Ohithophel's judgment Right? His counsel to not. God did that. He's praying here. Please afflict them. They're not going to repent. That's what his position is. And they do not fear God. That's really a revelation of Ohithophel's heart. He no longer feared the Lord. I mean, why would you betray? Why would you be holding this bitterness and this anger? If you, you know, because if you walk with God, he deals with that. You cannot do that. You cannot walk with the Lord in close fellowship and harbor anger and bitterness. He will deal with you. In fact, Jesus is really clear. If you don't forgive others their sins against you, what will happen to your sins? You will not be forgiven. That's pretty, that's pretty intense. But David, he prays from the heart and he, he holds, there's no restraint. Judge them. They're not going to repent. Judge them. I mean, David gets really emotional in his psalms. You know, break out their teeth, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Notice he has put forth his hands, verse 20, against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. There's nothing. If you've experienced betrayal, it's, pretty, it's, a, it's a tough pill to swallow. When you... Uh, pour out your soul and you help people, you, you sacrifice for them, and then they turn their back on you and they uh, say things about you. Oh, that's a grievous thing. But what do you do? 
you follow David's pattern. Verse 22, as we close here. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He'll never permit the righteous to be moved. He's not going to, the word moved, they're shaken. You know what? Those who put their faith in the Lord, their foundation is sure. We will not be moved. We're as bold as a lion, as the scriptures tell us. But God will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. So David has this back and forth. You can see the trouble that he's had. He's, he's, he, he, he explains his inner man in, in his thoughts and his, his frustration and his... How, he's a man of many emotions. I, when he says, my, in verse 4, my heart is severely pained within me, I mean, he captures it all. You can, can you sense the pain that he's in? the oppression that he's experiencing. I mean, he's lived his life. He's near the end here. He's not that many more years left. What a way, you know, I'm sure he doesn't want to end this way. And yet he realizes that he brought some of this stuff upon himself. When I hear of divorce, of people who've been married 20 or 30 years, you know, divorce is one of the, it's violent. It's, it's It's a very violent act. That's why God says he hates it because you're, you're absolutely tearing two people in half. You just, your oneness is, is being destroyed. And this is really kind of what has happened to David. He's being torn. His heart is being is shattered. And, you know, these things were written for our example. Yet were they not? So we can glean and learn from them. You know, there's, there's a, a, a truth here that we have to come to grips when bad things happen to good people. We can't harbor, you know, David had to let it go. He had to, he had to let Ahithophel go. He couldn't harbor bitterness against him. He had the Shimei guy. I think David, that's David's heart. Let God deal with it. Let God judge. Because see, you're, we're held, a lot of times we're held captive by, by, by lies, by things that are not true. And only the truth will set us free. So, so that means deceit and lies will do what? Bind us. You know, the story of Houdini, you know, he, he when he would go to a town, you guys are probably familiar with the story, but he, he would go to a town and he would uh, go to the, uh, try to create interest and he would go to the jails and he would uh, have the jailer lock him up and within a few minutes he would, he would get out and, and they would, you know, like, oh, this guy's amazing, you know. So he goes to this one town and, and of course this jailer, you know, he knew the pattern and it's like, he thought, oh, so he decided to leave the cell unlocked. Because normally they would put him in and click, you know, lock him up. This guy left it unlocked. So 
every time Houdini was unlocking it, he was actually locking it. And finally, Houdini gave up. He couldn't get out. Why was he being held captive? He, he believed a lie. He believed, something that, he, he believed something that wasn't true. I believe that that door is locked. It's not locked. It's unlocked. And you, every time you're attempting to get out, you're actually locking yourself in. And this is what lies, this is what deceit does. Why do you think the Lord left us the word? Because it's the only way we can have discernment about ourselves, about what's going on around us. The righteous see. We have discernment. We don't know it all. But you ever have those moments when you realize, oh, wait a minute, something doesn't feel right here. See, we not only have the Word of God, we also have the Holy Spirit. We have an unction from the Holy One. We have an anointing from the Holy One. God doesn't want us to be deceived. It's important that we, we see things for what they really are. And so the bottom line is his last words. Put our trust in the Lord Jesus. Amen? So let's spend some time praying. And um, apparently um, Janice Kaiser had a um, did something to her ankle, her knee. I'm not sure what happened there, um, but Rob asked that we'd pray for her tonight, so he's home with her. Um.